Wow, Kawhi. Wow, Daenerys. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble. Today's show also brought to you by Hotels.com, by Grip6 Belts and by Untuck It. So check those guys out for some great deals and some great products. We're going to be looking at the Indiana Pacers 2018-19 season ended unceremoniously in the playoffs with a sweep at the hands of the Boston Celtics. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. Looking at these paces, 48 and 34. Uh, fifth seed in the Eastern Conference, of course, as I mentioned, beaten by the Celtics in four games in the first round of the playoffs. It didn't help that they lost their best player, their All-NBA guard, Victor Oladipo, about halfway through the season with a pretty significant thigh injury. And after that, they were pretty much treading water. Fifth in the, uh, sorry, 24th in the NBA in pace, 18th in offense, but third in defense. So some, a really strong defensive st- uh, season from them. Nate McMillan made some pretty strong uh, improvements and has really got this team playing well. They are uh, in for an uncertain offseason, I guess, with Oladipo's injury recovery, with a bunch of core pieces being unrestricted free agents. So there is a lot lot uh, that's unknown here. Now, this team does have a, an interesting shot profile. They are 29th in the NBA in three-point attempt rate, take a lot of two-pointers. And the thing is that they t- hit their threes at a high rate, 37% on threes, which is fifth in the NBA. The problem is they take 20, 29, uh, the 29th in terms of overall attempts. They could get that offense humming a little bit more by just getting that shot selection at a better level. They also don't get to the line very much at all. What they are good at is generating steals off their opponent, third in the NBA in steals, ninth in, in assists. So there's some ball movement there. But the offense is still a little bit stayed, still a little bit... Um, regressive in terms of shot selection and where they're taking those shots. Of course, the defense is pretty strong, generating those turnovers, limiting opposition trips to the free throw line as well. So really good in that area, but significant room for improvement in terms of their, uh, in terms of their offense. That could happen and could be a decently easy enough change for this squad to uh, to undergo as uh, as they move forward. Let's have a look at what things look like with their draft choices for this upcoming year. They have pick number 18 and pick number 50 in the upcoming draft, and they can get max cap space of $45 million heading into the season. That's because there's just a, sh- a shit ton of guys who are unrestricted free agents. Thad Young. Tyreek Evans, who is now suspended for the next two years, so that uh, $15 million cap hold is obviously off the books. Boyan Bogdanovich is an unrestricted free agent. Darren Collison is an unrestricted free agent. Corey Joseph is an unrestricted free agent. The Cock Monster, Kylo Quinn, is an unrestricted free agent. Wes Matthews is an unrestricted free agent. So you're looking at, out of their starting lineup, Thad Young, Boyan Bogdanovich, Darren Collison, all unrestricted free agents, plus Wes Matthews, the guy that came in and replaced Victor Oladipo as an unrestricted free agent. So the only guys under contract out of their ideal starting five are Oladipo and Miles Turner. Uh, Turner starts the first year 
of a four-year rookie extension, $18 million per year this year. And that guy that replaced Oladipo, who likely won't be ready to begin the season, Wes Matthews, also an unrestricted free agent. So lots of things can change with this team, whether they look to bring all these guys back remains to be seen. None of these players are really young. Thad and Boyan, yeah, Darren Collison, Corey Joseph, Cock, they're all, Wes Matthews, they're all 30, 30 plus. So this is the team. Are they happy to bring these guys back and lock themselves in as a four, five seed again for one year, two years? Or do they start to really tear it down? So some very interesting interesting decisions for their front office, but also for these players like Young and like Bogdanovich and like Collison. Like, where do they want to go? Can they get more lucrative offers? Will they be yeah, content to come back to this squad and by all accounts, yeah, pretty strong uh, team chemistry with this team, but will they want to come back and, and you know fight it out without Oladipo or at least not a full-strength Oladipo for big chunks of this season? There's also a, a team option and a non-guarantee for Edmund Sumner and a non-guaranteed deal there for Elise Johnson, who I think I think can be an actually an interesting player for them, Johnson, especially if, say, Thad leaves or O'Quinn leaves. I reckon we could see him. Yeah, there's a, there's a small chance he cracks being a rotation next season. I thought Sumner did enough this year as well for them to pick up that guarantee on this contract. So a lot of uh, unknowns with this Indiana Pacers team as we head forward because of all these yeah, key unrestricted free agents. All of these guys, yeah, big parts of what they did this season. Of course, yeah, we can uh, scrap Tyreek out and, and Tyreek's value in uh, in Dynasty League's in a fair bit of trouble given the fact that he is 30 years of age and now won't be able to come back into the NBA until he's 32 after this drug suspension. That uh, unfortunately uh, has uh, pretty much ruined the end of his career, though. Of course, he can come back. I was talking on Locked On NBA the other day about uh, you know guys coming back from suspensions like this, and, and the name the Birdman, Chris Anderson, was brought back. He was suspended for two years and came back and had a few years in the NBA with those Miami Heat teams as that backup center. But that's you know so much to talk about with Tyreek about just how poor his season was and ended, of course, on a horrible, horrible note here. Let's uh, let's get into talking about these players in a little bit more detail, but make sure you are subscribed to this podcast. You'll never miss an episode, and the best way to do that is downloading the Himalaya podcast app. Download that app and subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Basketball, and make sure you're checking out Grip6 Belts, grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. Get yourself one of the best belts in the world. The only belt with no holes, no flap, or no bulk. I love my Grip6 Belts. You'll love them as well, males, females, and children. Go check out those belts. All right, let's look now at these players. Miles Turner, he was a big hype guy last season, or 2017-18 season, really disappointed. And then this year, he took that big step forward that we were hoping for. So what changed with him? Well, the minutes were basically exactly the same. He went from 28.3 minutes per game up to 28.6. So exactly the same there. And the usage actually didn't change all that much. So what we thought is when Paul George left with Miles Turner heading into the 17-18 season, we thought that with George leaving, Turner would be able to up that usage from 19.6 to 22-23, take on a lot more shots. And that didn't happen. His usage remained exactly the same with Paul George or without Paul George because Victor Oladipo came in and took that big leap forward. And then this season, his usage, again, really, really low. So how did his rank go from 65th to 38th this season? Well, what happened with him is his block rate went through the roof. His first three NBA seasons, 2.3, 2.4, 2.3 blocks per 36. This year, a completely unprecedented, not unprecedented, unexpected jump in block rate from 2.3 to 3.3 blocks per 36 minutes. And there's your difference. That is what happened with Miles Turner this season to make him a better fantasy player. His rebound rate, yes, that increased as well from 8.2 to 8.9. It's a marginal change. His scoring per 36, exactly the same. His true shooting percentage, exactly the same. His assist rate, exactly the same. His uh, three-point shooting numbers, 
pretty much exactly the same. So we didn't. Yeah, you know, what did happen is his free throw shooting decreased from 78 down to 73%. But basically, the value of Miles Turner it increased so much because his block rate went through the roof. Now, if that drops off, then we get back to being a guy outside the top 50. And I think that we have a legitimate risk here of that block rate falling back off. Over the final 12 games of the season, he was down at 2.1 blocks per game, which is still good, but it's not 2.6. The same arguments I threw out for Victor Oladipo last season as why I thought he'd drop off because he was getting three steals a game. And if that fell off to two steals a game, still excellent, but that takes 20, 30 spots off your ranking. And I think that's the worry here with Miles Turner. We can talk about how much of a big improvement he had this season, and he did, but it came in one category. And if that number does happen to drop off, then there is a real concern that his value drops off. Now, he was incredibly unlucky and I think should have been a member of one of the uh, all-defensive teams, but it's hard to take Gobert and Joel Embiid off those teams. I understand that, but having Turner over Embiid would have been fine. He was um, third on this team in terms of PIPM behind DeMontis Sabonis and Victor Oladipo, but easily led the team in defensive PIPM led the team in wins added, was a really, really strong option. But on court, a negative two. That's a, that's a little bit of a concern as well. And for all the talk about him being a disappointment last season and then a real breakout and big stud this year, it's so much just down to this block number. And it worries me. And if I had him in a dynasty league, I wouldn't be you know fire sailing. I've got to get rid of him, got to get rid of him. But if someone wants to offer me a top 30 type player, I'd be inclined to look at it because there is a legitimate chance that Miles Turner goes from 2.6 blocks per game to 2.2 blocks per game. And instead of being the 38th ranked player, he's the 58th ranked player. And it's a big drop off because do we see him ever becoming more than the 13 and 7 guy he was this season? It didn't change when Oladipo was in or out. He did exactly the same thing. His rebound rate does go up when Oladipo's off the court. But otherwise, everything remained the same. His efficiency from the field, his shooting, his three-point shooting, his rebound, his scoring, the free throws dropped this year, but it was the block rate that really kept him going this year. And there was a bit of an increase in his steal rate as well. So I'm a little bit worried about those numbers being able to maintain themselves. So just keep that in mind. If you're considering deals, including Miles Turner in a dynasty league, still really like him, still only 23. Where can he get better? Can he become a 16 point per game guy? That's it. Look, if I, if I see the blocks drop off to say 2.2 per game, could that be offset by becoming a 16 point per game guy? Yes. Hasn't really shown that in four years, but I still think there is some ability there. So I'm not completely writing him off. I'm just putting a little asterisk there going, eh. if that block number drops off, then we're going to go back to being disappointed with Miles Turner again. I think that's a legitimate risk. Now, Oladipo, prior to the uh, leg injury, had a really disappointing season. We know how good he was the year before, where he was the um, 10th-ranked fantasy player. That was never going to stick. I still thought he'd be a second-round guy, and I was clearly wrong in that. Uh, 52nd-ranked player. He had a Yahoo ADP of 12, which was wrong at the time. I said that all the time, talking about how much that his value was so built up by his outstanding defensive numbers. And we saw that drop off. Now, Oladipo played two fewer minutes per game this season. His scoring went from 23 down to 19. His rebounds dropped a little bit. His assists actually went up, but the value there went from, or it really dropped off because his steals went from 2.4 to 1.7. Big, big, big drop. His blocks went from 0.8 to 0.3. Again, big drop. His field goals went from 48 to 42. Big drop. His free throws went from 80 to 73. Big drop. His true shooting from 58 to 52. 
big drop. His three-point percentage, 37 to 34, big drop. So a lot of those things which stood out as really massive career highs in his first year in Indiana, and they're unsustainably high. Well, it, obviously, it, it appears to be unsustainably high field goal percentage, um, a big jump in steal rate, a big jump in block rate. Now, he'd done that sort of block rate before in Orlando, so that wasn't completely crazy. The steals were. And when they fell off, it fell off hard and his value really, really dropped off. And that was the concern. I never thought it would become as as much of a drop-off as it was this season. But there were people campaigning for Oladipo to be a first-round draft pick, which to me was insane at the time. And it obviously ended up being insane, even, even not talking about the injury. And I'm worried about how he comes back from this injury. Will he miss the start of the season? Will he be the same guy? Will he be able to return to that 48% shooter? I don't think so. Will he still be as active blocking shots and getting steals as he was in his breakout year? I don't think so as well. Now, in terms of is he a buy low or a sell guy, I don't know because it depends on how the guy has him values him. I don't think he's ever getting back to... I think that that 10th ranked fantasy guy he was last year will never be achieved again by Victor Oladipo. Can he get to be back to be a top 20 guy? I have my worries. Top 30? Maybe. I think he can get back to being a top 30 guy, but we do have to remember that his production this season was before the injury. And he did have some other problems during the year. Um, before that thigh problem, where he missed a big chunk of time during the um, with, with a knee problem in uh, the middle of November, and, and that's a problem as well. That kept him out for quite a long time, and you have to think that maybe there's some correlation between that knee injury and the thigh injury. Um, but there's a pretty clear explanation as to what changed with his season. The steals and the blocks dropped off, and the shooting dropped off. And I think we can apply a lot of that to yeah, natural regression after a huge breakout, but also does the knee injury bother him? And then if the knee injury was causing a drop in those three categories, will the thigh injury cause those numbers to remain depleted? And that's sort of the direction I'm leaning on with Victor Oladipo. As much as I love the bloke, I'm a little bit concerned. Now, he did lead this team in PIPM. He still was effective, still very good defensively, solid enough offensively, um, yeah, plus 3.6 on off, really, really strong stuff there. It's just that getting back to that elite level, I I have significant doubts that he is going to be able to get back to that level. So just bear that in mind when you're talking long-term about dynasty value. The next player we look at is the Deuce Young. Now, a lot of these teams I've talked about in uh, in these fantasy season reviews have had one or two top 100 players. The Indiana Pacers had six top 100 fantasy players, which is a huge amount, obviously. Thad was one of them, 73rd overall. I thought Thad was going to be a, a real drop-off player this season. Um, he had an ADP of 108, clearly beat that. He had some struggles earlier in the season, but then bounced back to be basically the same guy he's been each of the last two seasons. 12.5 and 6.5, and uh, he averaged... Uh, this this season, half a three. His value, of course, always comes from steals, 1.5 steals, and shot 53% from the field with 64% from the line. I thought that we, if we started to get those steals decreasing um, and, and the shooting dropping off, which, again, this was a, he's a, a big jump forward in his shooting numbers. He went from 53 true shooting to 56. That kept him really afloat there. He is uh, going to be 31 by the time this season starts, an unrestricted free agent, and his value significantly comes from steals and from that field goal percentage. There is best two categories. He's only got one other positive category, and that's rebounds, where he's basically right on league average or fantasy league average anyway. So at the age of 31, fueled by two categories, steals and field goal percentage, he's still always going to get steals, I believe, much like Paul Millsap does as an older power forward. But that field goal percentage is a bit of the worry with that. Limited upside and yeah, 31 years of age, at some point he's going to transition into a 24, 25-minute a night role. Uh, and that's so much of that is going to determine, or it's going to be determined by which team he ends up playing for. 
negative 0.07 PIPM, so right about zero there, uh, a negative 1.2 on-off, which is interesting. And if he does uh, go, or he could actually end up losing more minutes just because DeMontis Sabonis starts pushing him for extra minutes, I wouldn't be surprised to see Thad fall outside the top 100 for next season. Make sure you guys are also checking out our other sponsors for today, Hotels.com and, of course, Untuck It as well. Untuck It shirts that are designed to be worn untucked. Great gifts for your dad, for your brother, for your uncle, whoever it is, untuckit.com. Use the promo code NBA for 20% off. All right. Let's look at the next guy here on this list, another top 100 player, Dazza Collison, uh, 82nd ranked overall, underrated shit bloke as well. But the, the production's still fine, but it's just so bleh from Collison. And he really benefited from Oladipo going, going down. He took on a larger role. He was losing playing time earlier in the season to Corey Joseph, to Tyreek. He, and he still only played 28 minutes a night, 11-3-6 with 1.4 steals. His efficiency was still strong, not as legendary as it's been in the past where he's been like a 50% field goal guy, down to 46, and shot 41% from three. Excellent. He just doesn't take enough of him. We need him to... He should be taking seven threes a game, not 2.6. This is a guy who for four consecutive seasons has shot... 40% or better on threes. And the two years previous to that, 37 and 38%. So he is an excellent three-point shooter. He just doesn't take anywhere near enough of them. He needs to do more of that. The assists did rise this season, in large part due to the Victor Oladipo injury situation. Also, is he a player that other teams are going to be really looking for as a starting point guard? Mm. I think his his value is highest Indiana. Again, he's old. He's going to be 32 by the start of the season. And I think we look at him as the 82nd ranked player. That's probably the highest rank he gets in the rest of his career. Unless he embraces taking the three and taking it at a higher rate because he can hit it. And then the scoring goes from 11 a game to 13, 13 and a half a game. One three made to 2.5 threes made with five and a half assists, with one and a half steals, on 47% shooting, and get to the line a little bit more. There's the basis of a very good fantasy guy, just that the way he plays, the athleticism waning, and the age there, there is a worry that it is going to start to drop off with Collison pretty soon, but there is things there that you can still see a shock season coming. Uh, 0.10 PIPM, so a marginal positive there. He still was a negative on court as this bench unit really carried this team based or you know, led by Sabonis and Corey Joseph, helping these guys. You know, their top three guys in minutes, Bogdanovich, Young, and Collison, and Miles Turner, actually their top four guys, all had negative on-off numbers, whereas the guys behind them, Joseph, Sabonis, Tyreek, McDermott, Victor Oladipo, in terms of minutes played, were all positive. So that, that's an interesting number that this bench unit really was carrying this team throughout the season. And Collison's value, I think, is going to be highest on this Indiana team versus if he goes somewhere else in uh, in unrestricted free agency. Their fifth top 100 player was DeMontis Sabonis, a big step forward for him. Only 25 minutes a night, 14 and nine and a half, one of the best rebounders in the NBA. Three assists per game as well, starting to channel some of the play from his dad. Of course, lack of defensive numbers is always going to be a problem. 0.7 steals and 0.4 blocks. The 59 and 72 is excellent. He shot 53% from three. Of course, he took about five of them during the course of the season. I probably should give you that exact number. Um, He took uh, 21 threes over the course of the year, hit 10 of them. That's great shooting, of course, but it's not uh, it's not doing it at, at uh, enough volume to really be impactful there. Look, he was a fantastic fantasy guy, although, to be fair with him, or to be honest, 80, 80th, what is it, 83rd ranked player over the course of the season, over the final 22 games, he was 152nd. And why was that? The minutes were the same, the scoring was the same, the rebounding was the same, but the field goal percentage went from 58 down to 53. The three-point percentage, you know, he... 
he missed a few down the end of the year, only 29% uh, down the end of the season, as I said, limited attempts. Um, but the free throws dropped as well, down to 64%. So yeah, that shows that how much those two numbers, that high field goal percentage, which was his number one fantasy category, his 58% shooting, it, it started off at an insane rate and it did start to drop off as the season went on. Um, if that doesn't stick at high 50s, is he actually a guy that can be a top 100 player? Well, I think he can be because I think his minutes go up. You know, 25 a night, I think that there is a risk either that Thad goes or they take one or two minutes away from Thad and bump Montes Sabonis and play DeMontis 27 a night, play Thad 28 a night, play Miles 29 a night. And there's your first three guys in that front court, maybe with Elise Johnson coming in and playing 10 minutes a night, 12 minutes a night as that uh, fourth option. Either TJ Leaf steps up, whatever it is. But I think we see a little bit more as a bonus, but he really is a rebound guy and a field goal percentage guy. They're his best two fantasy categories. And if the, and the rebounds, I've got no worries. They're going to stick. The assist numbers are nice. It's more that if that efficiency drops off or if it doesn't stay at that elite 60% level, which it was for much of the season, then his value is really quite volatile in that area. And if those free throws drop back down to that 60 level, that becomes somewhat of a concern also. He was a 75% free throw guy last season, 71 this year, but that really, really tailed off down the stretch of the year. Now, defensively, PIPM was really, really positive. Overall, he was second on this team in PIPM as a 1.82. That's a strong number. 3.8 on-off number, nominated for sixth man of the year. He was very, very good. I think his upside is somewhat limited by his lack of defensive numbers, a low usage, not... um, Actually, he's not that low usage. 23.5% is not that low usage. Uh, not taking enough threes and, and some of those defensive limitations he does have in terms of rim protection. But I think we could see a step forward with him in terms of playing time next season. But whether that translates into more fantasy production or better fantasy ranking remains to be seen because it's all going to come down to how that efficiency plays out. Their sixth and final top 100 player was Boyan Bogdanovich, who really took a step forward again this year. 32 minutes a game, 81 games. He has just turned 30. He's an unrestricted free agent. 18-4-2 with a steal per game on 50 and 81%, including 43% from three. They are really strong numbers from Boyan. Took a big step forward this season, averaged almost four points per game extra. And it wasn't because he was hitting more threes, because that was exactly the same level as last season. He just upped his usage this season, in large part because of Victor Oladipo's absence, but also because he played a lot better. He got to the line more, which is key if you're shooting at such a level. He is 81% from the line, and previously he'd been like an 89% shooter, 87% shooter. So that was key, getting those free throw attempts up for Bogdanovich. He also improved his passing and his steal rate. So really a big step forward for Boyan uh, over the course of this season. If Oladipo returns, will that usage fade away a little bit? The 22.5% usage, will it come back to 20, 20 20.5, that sort of number? Will he, as he ages a little bit more, struggle to get to the line? Uh, And and will that two-point shooting, which took a big step forward, and and the two-point attempts... He took, um, last season he was at 5.8 two-point attempts per game. This season, 8.3. That's a significant jump up in only one minute extra per game, taking on more of that offensive creation load. So when Oladipo comes back, does he lose some of that? I guess that's somewhat of the concern. Again, as I mentioned, he was a negative on court, a negative 2.5. Defensive metrics didn't grade out well for him, negative 0.72. And I think that there is a legitimate chance that he doesn't finish next season in the top 100 as well. If that scoring goes from 18 down to 15 again, then he falls back away and becomes more of a three-point specialist streamer. 
Uh, although that efficient, those efficiency numbers are really good, but the volume is not massive and the numbers aren't that huge to have a huge influence in those categories. Z score field goal percentage, 0.37 and free throws, 0.31. So minimal contributions there. His number one category overall is his three-pointers, 0.6, while also giving us 0.4 in points. So he's just that guy that's marginally a top 100 guy with really no standout category. But again, it was a big step forward for him in his age 30 season. I'm just worried about how that's going to play out for him as we move forward. Wesley Matthews was pretty poor in Dallas, pretty poor with the Knicks, and then was okay as a member of the Pacers. Ended up averaging 12 points with two threes a game. Shot under 40% from the field, um, 0.8 steals. Those uh, assist numbers, which had spiked in recent seasons for Matthews, did tend to drop off. His numbers, uh, analytically or advanced numbers for Indiana, were pretty bad, actually. Negative 2.3 PIPM. The team obviously was worse with him there than Oladipo. That's not a surprise at all. They were negative 7.4 with him on the court. That's a very, very poor number. And I think people remember the idea of Wes Matthews maybe back from his Portland days and thinking oh, the Achilles in Dallas, he, he isn't the same player. He will never be the same player. I don't think he should ever really be in, in consideration to be a, um, a standard league fantasy guy again. Um, yeah, some of these numbers are a little bit concerning. And if anyone's signing him to be a starter... Maybe, maybe he can go to another team and start. Maybe he goes to someone like D- Detroit and becomes a starter there. He's just not going to be a fantasy option for standard leagues, more of a 16-team league guy at the age of, uh, you're going to be 33 uh, at the beginning or in the first couple of months of the season. Corey Joseph, another one of those guys who plays well on the court but doesn't produce much box score-wise. The 191st ranked overall player, 25 minutes, 6.5 points, 4 assists and a steal is strong. Poor percentages, true shooting of 47% is obviously really, really poor, but defensively he's great. Uh, A PIPM was a massive positive, one of the best on the team. A plus 4 on off, the best of all rotation players on this team. He makes things happen, he just doesn't make them happen in the box score. We've seen time and time again that Corey Joseph gets big minutes, he can't score, he can sometimes provide assists and that's about it. And that's really where his value lies as a streamer for assists. Will he be back with this squad as an unrestricted free agent? I think he's solid enough. But even if he went to a team and they made him their starting point guard, it'd be a mistake by that team to pay him to be that. He's also just not a high priority guy who's not going to all of a sudden scale up to be a high usage guy who's generating you know 18 and 7. He's going to be like a starting point guard that gets, what, 11 and 5 maybe? And that's really not enough to, to have a big step forward. And he is also about to turn 28 as well, a bit older than a lot of people may expect. Let's talk about Tyreek, though, only marginally because he's not going to be an NBA factor, but he went from the 42nd ranked player to 249th. A lot of personal issues, the drug suspension didn't fit in with the Indiana offense as well. I thought he'd still play 28 minutes a night, really cutting into Joseph and Collison's playing time. That wasn't the case. He was the guy that missed out. Assist rate dropped, rebound rate dropped, efficiency dropped way off. He just wasn't a fit in Indiana. Obviously had a lot of personal issues happening during the season, and that pretty much is the end of Tyreek Evans as an NBA contributor, uh, at least for the next two years. It's definitely the end of him. Doug McDirt, one of the worst fantasy players in the NBA, 338th. 17 minutes a night, seven points with one three. He hits threes. He does that at a great rate. And if you're in a league that uh, includes three-point percentage, then McDermott has value. He just does nothing in the other areas. 0.2 steals, 0.2 blocks. They are all really piss-poor numbers. He was was a negative uh, PIPM guy. You know, on-court, off-court, plus 0.9. That's okay, but he's never going to be any sort of fantasy contributor. A guy that I do like and I thought exceeded, well, not I thought, I know, exceeded my expectations 
Big Aaron Holiday, and with Tyreek, Tyreek gone, and then Joseph and Collison potentially gone, Oladipo injured. I think there's a massive chance for Holiday to come in as the backup point guard, as a 20-minute-a-night guy who can come in and generate four assists per game, hit one, 1.23s per game. He only shot 34% from three, but he can be a 40% shooter, I think, from deep. He can generate a steal, 1.2 steals per game, get up to five, five and a half assists per game. I think he's got real value moving forward, and everything is playing out for him. In either either this season coming or in two years' time, he's got a real chance to be the starting point guard on this team. So he's a guy that I think has got tremendous uh, dynasty value, a massive, uh, really impressive as a player this year. To come in with a PIPM of 0.02 as a rookie point guard is a huge, huge number. To be a plus 2.5 on off as a rookie point guard is huge. To be a positive defensively as a rookie point guard is huge. And he's still got that massive scope to be able to improve his shooting. Really impressed with Holiday, and I was wrong with him in the draft, no doubt. The Cock Monster... Interesting for him to go sign here as a third string center. Barely played. When he played, he does what he does. We know what O'Quinn does. But at this stage, I don't ever think he's coming into any sort of scenario and being a regular 24-minute-a-night guy, which is unfortunate because he'd be a top 100 player in that sort of scenario. I just don't think that's happening. TJ Leaf, uh, 58 games, 9 minutes a night. Shot 54% from the field, 26% from three. This is a guy that was a really good shooter in college from three. But a horrible free throw shooter, which is never a great sign for a guy you want to be a, a good stretch for. I worry about TJ Leaf. I don't think that he is any sort of answer there at power forward. But again, with Fad potentially gone, with Quinn potentially gone, there is an opportunity for him to step forward. I'd much rather someone like Elise Johnson step into that role. But Leaf is still only 22, so there's a bit of room for him to improve there, no doubt. Uh, the advanced stuff doesn't hate him. It doesn't love him. I think he, he's okay in that area. I do like what we saw from Edmund Sumner, who missed basically all of his rookie season. He had a few moments here. I think he can be a solid enough contributor defensively, and I think he was good in that area, but still a long way behind Holiday and then those other point guards that are there as well. But there's some value for him in deeper leagues. While I was a little bit interested in Davon Reed, he didn't do much to, uh, to, to make me get overly excited during this season, barely played. But there is so much scope for change with this Pacers lineup. I think Holiday and Elise Johnson take big steps forward. I think Sumner could even become a rotation guy. It's going to be be a very interesting offseason for Indiana with all these pieces potentially on the move and at least one rotation guy, Tyrek Evans, obviously already gone. That'll do it for today's show. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast using the Himalaya podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify as well. Check out our sponsors, Hotels.com, Grip6 Belts, and of course, Untuck It as well. Use the uh, promo code NBA at Untuck It and use Grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E, to get your discount there as well. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble and the network at LockedOnNBANet on Twitter and on Instagram. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Victor Oladipo.